Hello and welcome back to the Ecom Hot Seat podcast. Today's guest is a marketer, agency owner, who's previously specialized in the area of fashion and e-commerce apparel. So that's kind of what we're going to focus on in this episode and kind of you know pick his brain about those specific insights. He runs an award-winning agency in his own space. Um, he's spent you know multi-six figures, probably even seven figures on Facebook at this stage. Um, and done some great work for clients. So without further ado, Nick, thank you so much for joining me, man. Yo, Sufian, thank you so much for having me on. I am super excited today to just <laughs> deliver some massive value with you guys on the, the kind of the fashion side. Um, everyone who's on this podcast right now, you are in for a super big treat. Uh, we've just for one brand, for example, for our fashion brand, uh, we've, we've taken a brand from literally negative on ads uh, to doing their first six-figure month within three months of working with us uh, and doing their first million dollars within six months of working with us. So three months and six months hitting two major milestones. Uh, so super excited to be on. Uh, very grateful to be here and share you guys some massive value around that area. That's big, man. That's big. That's, that's going to be I'm, I'm excited to dig into that a little bit more. Um, taking a brand from negative to those levels of profit, you know, is not, is not common in our industry, certainly. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and start the 20 minute timer as I always do. Um, awesome. So that is running. If you can see that. Okay, perfect. So yeah, do you want to give the people a little bit of an insight? I know <laughs> you just go. mentioned uh, one case study, but give the people a little bit of an insight into kind of what your agency does, what your specialisms are and how you got into the space. Yeah, so uh, I run Facebook ads specifically for uh, e-commerce brands. Uh, we, we do have a strong footprint in the fashion niche, uh, but we do work with a few other like home decor brands, worked with a gaming chair company, cosmetic brands, beauty brands. Um, so we've we worked with quite a wide variety of e-commerce brands. All kind of, they all kind of tailor a lot though to the women buyers. So um, between our home decor, fashion, cosmetic, and beauty, I mean, it's all uh, kind of, we all have the central kind of same buyer profile and everything. But uh, over the last 12 months, we've probably managed around a million dollars in ad spend, a little bit more than a million dollars in ad spend, made back about $4 million in revenue. Uh, we've got to work with some really amazing brands. Um, and like I said, two brands we've taken literally from scratch Shopify, you know, 10, maybe even $10,000 in total revenue. Um, and taking them to own their first million dollars within eight months of working with the six months of one brand, eight months of the other one. So, um, super, super fun. I, I basically was a business owner at one point trying to crack the code. Uh, that's how I got my kind of start with Facebook ads, trying to crack the code to grow in that business and needed an effective way to grow it quickly. Found Facebook ads, throwing $5 boost at, uh, you know, just hitting a little blue button, boost the post on the page and everything. And just with that, doing some local targeting, was able to quickly flood my local little car detailing business with some customers and stuff. And um, after growing that business for three years, fell more in love with the marketing side that I wanted to do this for other people. And then got into the kind of my first e-commerce client. And then, I mean, it's just been, you know, a blessful journey since then. So um, now all we do is work period of clients, team, team and everything like that helps me out. And it's, it's amazing. So that's about where we're at right now. <laughs> in the that's awesome, man. That's what, I didn't know your story with the background in kind of your own business running Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of similar to myself in the way you got your, your first e-commerce client and sort of fell in love with it. Like literally, I remember it just led to a string of referrals for us. And then 
it just mm-hmm. became it just came, became our main focus and pretty pretty naturally it happened so yeah you mentioned that case study how do you now how do you exactly take a brand from going negative roas to million dollar months what what does that process <laughs> look like so it's first off just how it got the clients absolutely crazy so throughout that time period of me getting into uh you know facebook ads and everything i started documenting my process on uh youtube and then one day got an email from someone saying hey you know you spent about thirty thousand dollars in the last 30 days and we're looking for someone to possibly manage our ads look at our ad account and see improved performance and stuff and i was like what this gotta be a joke you know this is late at night i was like this person's probably gonna like try to spam me out some money or whatever like i don't know it's just completely unexpected because at the time i was only managing like 100 dollars a day budgets and this, this person was literally doing a thousand dollars a day it's been so um long story short got on a call with them you know we started working together and stuff and looked at our ad account and their ad account first thing it looked like a if you go in like a four or five year old's child's room and toys just scattered everywhere that's literally what their ad account looked like like just campaigns that didn't make sense all over the place you know throwing budget at it uh so the first things first was just to consolidate the ad account into the eight core campaigns we use um just long story short you know, your retargeting campaigns, your audience testing campaigns and your scouting campaigns, and then uh, your customer retention campaigns. So uh, consolidated that, identified the best performing creatives that they, they actually had best performing creatives at the time. So, um, you know, they're probably, they spent about $30,000. They're probably only profited or made about $27,000 from that $30,000. So they're like a 0.9 ROAS. So we cleaned up the whole account, let it operate more effectively. Um, and then from there we were to start, I mean, literally just overnight took them to a three X ROAS by just cleaning up the ad accounts, uh, which was very impressive, really good wins for the client. I think like literally in the first three days, our retainer was paid for and they were absolutely happy. So, um, that was the, the core of how we kind of got it started, but being our first client in the e-commerce space, we had to learn a ton in the process and, I think the biggest thing when it comes down to fashion is inventory. Inventory will kill you. Um, the problem we would run into is we would actually go ahead and, you know, like we start scaling up that account. We're spending money on, on the, um, the ads. And, and we had a very effective way for creative testing or for, for creative just in general. That client would just post on her page every day of clothes and she would take all the shots like herself. She would just do lifestyle photos and, you know, like her husband would literally just take a picture of her wearing the outfit that she's trying to promote and stuff. And uh, we would just take those and push them up as our top funnel, middle funnel and bottom funnel campaigns to, you know, to reach everyone. And we would have some huge fluctuations in ROAS with the ad accounts. And this is something that every fashion brand will struggle with going say 10 K to 30 K a month. And because what happens is you start selling a product, you start pushing it. ROAS drops like, Oh wow. Why is it ROAS dropping? Well, let's say 90% of your buyers are medium and all your medium are sold out, then there you go. <laughs> you, you didn't lose your results overnight because of that. So you have to, you got, you'll run into that issue. And then next thing is if your most popular product is sold out. So like for us, we had like a pair of jeans that did, that did 100K in a month. And it, if those are sold out, then all of a sudden you realize drops out. Why? Well, because no one's liking what's on the market right now. So those are some of the issues we ran into. We never really ran into creative issues just because the client was just 
naturally good at creative and all it was was just like i said her husband taking high quality photos of her wearing the products um so it made it super simple at that um and then they already had a copywriter on our team but we've learned a lot about copy for fashion uh between that and also to some of the aspects we apply to other businesses so uh so that's that's the biggest thing is actually inventory having a good account structure and then the kind of the creative and the copy i can get into that if you want me to right now yeah, no, absolutely. I think there's some some major value in there, particularly on the topic of account structure. I see it far too often. And I always say like, is there's, you know, brands that have the capability of doing six figure months and, and, you know, getting amazing results that aren't doing so simply because of account structure. It's most accounts and most brands Achilles heel. Uh, and it's, I guess it kind of makes sense. And, and when you do something as simple as that, just by cleaning up the account, as you mentioned, you know, you can go to a 3x return overnight because all of a sudden you're sending the right signals to Facebook, you're sending the right contextual messaging to your audience and everything's starting to make a little bit more sense. And then on the topic of inventory, I was even thinking a little bit more broader than what you actually mentioned in terms of specific styles, but I didn't actually consider the sizes of the styles being a major factor. Yeah. And, and you know, I imagine when, when products start to sell at, at that speed and, and uh, you know, sizes start to sell out, your bounce rates start to fly up abandoned browse starts to fly up and all of a sudden you're trying to you know you're looking for solutions but the problem's very very kind of intricate and, and and kind of the problem that exists today is probably something that you set up to exist 90 days ago when you ordered your inventory but you didn't even consider at the time yeah right yeah and you can grow pretty quickly from the time period of you order an inventory so like let's say for example if you have a four-week lead time you could you know just you could place that order speaking, Hey, we're spending, you know, hundred K a month. And by the end of that month, we've been able to scale really effectively. So now you're spending 200 K a month and now your inventory place at the beginning of the month is just not going to, you know, it's going to sell out so quick. Boom. Um, so something we've been able to do to with, with inventory is, is we've been actually starting to consult with our clients now on inventory management. And we recommend for every fashion brand to find two to three staples that they can sell year round and keep that inventory. Because what is going to happen is with fashion, people are going to post anywhere from six to seven times per year. That's the average kind of customer repeat rate, specifically for brands. Don't say, you know, with an average order value of $25, $150. If you're selling like, you know, Louis Vuitton style clothes, you're going to have that. It's going to be a lot less, but if you can, if you have that, people are perched six to seven times a year. If you can keep your inventory evergreen for at least a few products, so you can scale to say 200, 300K a month by just selling two to three items that you keep in stock year round, that's going to build up a lot of customer acquisition. With fashion, the name of the game is lifetime value and having some really good retention places, uh, retention programs in place. So like SMS updates for like new product launches, uh, just to your existing customers, putting your existing customers in a Facebook group and launching new styles in there. So massively decrease uh, your ad spend because you have a group just full of your existing buyers. Uh, running catalog ads with new, new products to your existing, say 180 day customers and a whole bunch of email marketing um, to your existing customers. So that way what happens is you have your two or three staples, you're scaling up to, you know, like I said, 400, 500K a month and with ads and stuff. And then you have uh, background uh, plans of action to uh, sell all your new products you launch. And obviously, once you find a new product that sells really well evergreen, let's move it to that top of funnel to where, you know, eventually when you don't a million dollars a month, you have like probably a line of like maybe 10 or 20 staples you keep at the top evergreen year round that keeps people coming in. Wow. No, definitely. 
I think fashion is one of those businesses where by no means is it a, a one and done kind of relationship with a customer. And if you are able to acquire a customer, it's probably why in, in fashion you're able to acquire a customer for a little bit over the odds as well. Because you know when you launch your spring summer, when you launch your fall winter, they're going to come back. And then Black Friday and everything, they're still going to come back. So you're making an ROI uh, over the course of a year as opposed to kind of just on that one transactional sale. And I think a lot of brands overlook that when it comes to running campaigns, when it comes to running their marketing, you know, they want that front end ROAS to be as strong as possible, but they don't actually consider the back end. And oftentimes with a, with a tight enough back end structure, you can afford to spend more. And the person who can afford to spend more is able to acquire the most customers. It's as simple as that. And you can just drive your competition out of the marketplace effectively. Um, so, so that's really Correct. powerful. Definitely email, definitely SMS. And that, that uh, strategy you just mentioned about um, running catalog ads to your existing customers, that's definitely something that we're going to try and start testing with some of our clients as well. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, it works really effective when you do like the, um, I think it's the, the instant experience or the collection ad where you can still use like a video or photo and then it says like shop more and it has like a whole bunch of items below um, that's dynamically updated and it keeps the social engagement. So you just create a really cool promo video and then it's like, hey, shop the new collection now. You have that promo video and then you have the dynamically updated catalog um, below it. So it works really well for existing customers. Yeah, super, super powerful. Definitely. Okay, cool. So let's switch gears here and talk a little bit about creatives in, in kind of the fashion and apparel niche because you know, a lot of what we see with the creatives that we use and we don't work too extensively at the moment with apparel um, or fashion, uh, although that is something that we're quite heavily expanding into. So we've started to recently acquire more clients in that space. But something with, with that niche is you don't necessarily solve a problem and there's not necessarily a problem that you can communicate through your videos and your images. So how do you guys go about kind of dictating creative strategy for a fashion or a power brand? Well, there's a misconception that there, it is a problem you're solving. And the problem you're solving is having a kick-ass outfit in that person's outfit that they haven't had yet. They haven't experienced yet. It's the problem of they haven't been felt like they haven't like really gotten close to a brand in a while and they want to feel like they're part of a brand. So there's problems uh, in the fashionist, which is not your typical like, hey, do you hate, you know, having, uh, <laughs> you know, itchy skin? Here's a product for you. No, um, with fashion, there's a few different creative angles we touch on. So uh, number one is kind of more of like a brand branded style uh, copywriting. So where it's like, um, you know, embrace a, a, a lifestyle of classy and elegance with the new and then put your brand here. So um, Gymshark does this really well, uh, you know, kind of like embracing the fits, fitness lifestyle. And so you can you kind of do a call to action like that. If, you, if your brand has a really strong and kind of like a polarizing uh, brand theme to it so that way it's like who's this brand for well this brand's for the people who are dedicated to these are the people for the brand for the entrepreneurs you know the the minimalists so that way it's like oh that's cool you know that speaks to me that that theme speaks to me i really like that and the products look really good i want to purchase so that's one way it's kind of going to like the lifestyle approach of who's this brand for actually questions like you know um how does my brand add life uh, value to my client client's lifestyle and stuff. Um, what's the message that I'm coming across? Who's my ideal audience? And, and kind of really getting down to that of exactly what they want. Uh, 
you know, and, and they, you can kind of put something together like that, kind of like more of a branded one. So we've seen that work pretty well. Um, another one with fashion, we tend to see a lot that works really well. It's just a good offer up front uh, for tofu. So like, uh, you know, like for one client right now, it's, um, it's a girl's brand. Um, kind of like your, your, your typical, just like sundresses and stuff like that. So we're doing like a spring fling, uh, added this amazing outfit to your outfit, you know, to your closet and get 20% off for new customers today. So that way it's kind of like, Oh, cool. And, and you, you really use the creative and the, uh, to do all the selling when it comes down to fashion. Uh, because if someone simply doesn't like the shirt or doesn't like the dress, they're not going to purchase it regardless of what copy you have up there. So you can do like a good offer like that. Um, a UGC also works really well having a customer just, you know, take a quick little video with their iPhone saying, Hey, just got this amazing dress from fashion Nova and absolutely love it. You need to check it out. Swipe up and you can do that as an Instagram story ad. Um, or you can even do like a Facebook post, something very similar like that. And then you can do something like complete the look for that copy and have, you know, link to it. So, um, copy is not too, too crazy. It's, it's very short, straight to the point. Um, I think you just have to really make sure you're talking in the same manner as, you know, uh, the customers talk to each other. So I, I've been doing like last night and we just signed on this new brand. I did a lot of customer research. I've been watching videos on clothing brands. Uh, that's, uh, videos of, you know, girls doing clothing hauls. And how they're talking about the products and stuff because it's a very my, our products are very similar to those. So I'm looking at the comments and stuff. I'm copying emojis that are used in the comments. I'm I'm kind of using some of the slogan and stuff so that way it fits. You know, really ties into their brand, um, how they you know, view and talk and stuff. So, but the creative is everything when it comes to clothing and fashion. Um, so we see lifestyle work super well. So like Gymshark does an absolutely amazing job at this. You know, if you're selling a fitness brand, I see people like selling a fitness brand and they're posing in a parking garage. I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, so like Gymshark, if you look at their stuff, it's people in the gym working out that are ripped. Uh, that's also another thing when it comes down to like the models, you have to like kind of portray of like, okay, who's my ideal customer trying to become? So you want to have that model that's like the, the hero character. So like for fitness, say in the bodybuilding niche, Gymshark is a lot of really ripped big guys because a lot of people that buy them are teens in high school that are like, oh, I'm trying to get big in the gym. You know, I'm trying to get muscular and stuff. And they see this guy posing um, in the gym in this, in this nice tank. Like, oh, I want, I want that shirt just like him. So it, it's, it's the lifestyle that works amazing is understanding where your clothes will be worn and how does your, um, you know, ideal customer kind of view those clothes on that person? So, uh, so that works super well behind the scenes, just a quick little Snapchat of you walking around the factory or walking around, you know, packaging orders and stuff. And that works really well because there's so much drop shipping that goes on that this kind of helps increase the believability and stuff of that. It's a real brand, uh, UGC, like I said, test testimonials, you can even lead with a testimonial and stuff. Um, you know, this is the most comfortable t-shirt ever. And then literally lead with that right there. And, um, a customer selfie, customer selfies that works absolutely amazing. So get starting a trend of getting your customers to literally take a picture of your outfit, 
tagging them and then getting like permission to use that your own marketing campaigns gives you a streamline of uh, customer content and stuff like that. So um, that's probably the biggest things. Uh, and, and also on the branded approach, you can also take it to, you can go the more the branded approach and then you can also test ad copy again, that's selling the specific product. So say for example, when we started, we originally started with a product, like get this, you know, amazing t-shirt, the softest teal everywhere look decked out and this fit for downtown, you know, this weekend. And that's how we originally started. And we, we still test those variations where it's single product ad copy and more branded broad, like embrace the lifestyle classy and elegance. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Something that I extracted from, from that um, is understanding who your customer aspires to be. That's major. Um, and I think not enough brands do that. And, you know, like you said, like using ripped models, using people who are, you know, quote unquote, really good looking or have a really good sense of style, um, really just get so much more buying from the customer because ultimately they're purchasing the feeling, they're purchasing the look, they're purchasing going out and people looking at them, asking them, you know, where'd you get that from, et cetera, et cetera. So, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense and definitely something to start implementing if you're not doing so already. Okay, so we're gonna switch gears here now from kind of the creative and media buying side of things. And I want to get your perspective on something that's um, pretty hot in the space at the moment, which is iOS 14. So <laughs> where do you see the opportunity for your clients and e-commerce in general with the rollout of iOS 14 now being so imminent? So I'm not worried about iOS 14 at all. Um, I w you will see some results impact. Yes. Not going to be, you know, like, hey, I don't see it. That, that will happen. That's, that's going to be honest with you. Um, I like the opportunity of iOS 14 because right now every marketer has the opportunity right now to look at it, two perspectives. Hey, this is the worst thing ever. We're going to suck, blah, 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 all this negative stuff about it. Or two, hey, look, cool. The game's changing every day. We're marketers. We got to keep innovating every day. Having that positive mindset that you will get through it because likely if you have that mindset going into it, you're, you're not going to get affected by it much. So that's one thing. Two, it's going to increase the barrier of entry for Facebook ads. There's not going to be no more, you know, taking a picture of a product, upload it to Facebook. Hey, get this product now. And like <laughs> running ads to it and algorithm algorithms are going to be able to just like pull something together and boom, you have a six figure store. No, it's going to be a lot more barrier of entry. It's going to be a lot more consumer psychology and understanding that and a lot more emphasis on creative. So like we've been, you know, we've, we've, uh, we have a full like creative and visual team now for us. So we, we do all the like graphics and video editing now for clients, um, everything, but pick up a camera essentially. And eventually down the line, I'll, I'll want to get a full creative studio so we can do that stuff. But um, there's a lot more emphasis on creative now. It's a higher barrier of entry and, you know, marketers really have to be marketers now. So it's a really great opportunity. If you're not studying marketing day to day, you know, not really investing yourself into it, then it's, it's really going to, like I say, increase the barrier of entries and pull a lot less people out the market. Hey, could we see even CPM spike down because there's less people advertising because of it? That's a possibility as well. Um, now being prepared though, I recommend everyone after this call or after this, uh, you know, podcast to get wicked reports. You do need some type of third party attribution. 
uh, we, we've seen this with one ad account where we're seeing about a 50% increase in results by using a third-party attribution software. Um, the one we're using is called Apps Flyer, and this is for a app install client. Um, and we're seeing way more attributions to that so we can spend more effectively because a, a campaign that we think is unprofitable on Facebook is actually profitable on the, uh, with the third-party attribution and just as it tracks a little bit better than Facebook. So uh, we recommend Wicked Reports. Uh, I've also heard of Click Magic. That's a lot more affordable. Wicked Reports is around five, six hundred dollars a month U.S. Um, and then Click Magic's around like seventy, eighty bucks. So there's definitely some more affordable options that are coming out. Uh, make sure your domain's verified. Set up your events and stuff. I think that's. Uh, I mean, I th that's kind of old news. And I think everyone's <laughs> kind of learned that by now. So, um, but yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is just really honing in on your marketing skills and understanding that marketers will be will have to become marketers. I mean, it's 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 going to increase the barrier of entry. It's going to cut out a lot of people in the market that you know, that refuse to grow. Uh, so I think it's a really amazing opportunity that's for people to continue to grow and innovate. There goes our timer. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for sharing all of that, man. I really, really appreciate that. Um, I have one last bonus question that is kind of from, from me from a selfish perspective. Um, and usually Go I don't do this, but I'm just going to open up your Instagram because I saw something on there. I think it was today or last night. Um, <laughs> Okay, so you posted uh, a screenshot. Yeah, and it's uh, the younger me would be proud right now. Thank you for never giving up. And then the second um, kind of slide in that story is I used to do this visualization every day. Imagine you're walking on the beach and you meet up with your future self. That person is everything you ever dreamed of becoming. That person is grateful to see you and gives you the biggest, warmest hug you've ever received in your life. They thank you for never giving up and continuously striving every single day. So kind of what is your philosophy on mindset and what are some of your mindset practices that you implement day to day? <laughs> mindset is huge. And mindset is something that I've, I've, I've thought I had it completely. And then literally over the last few months, I've been digging deeper and deeper and deeper into it, but it's something that I've always known is huge since day one. Um, if anyone wants to take a huge challenge, I recommend going by uh, literally the happy pocket full of money book, uh, quantum success. Uh, you're a badass at making money, thinking grow rich. Um, and then the science of getting rich, those four books or five books and repeat them all year long. Just keep reading them, keep reading them, keep reading them. And it's going to completely change your mindset. Um, but I'm a huge believer in quantum success. So basically whatever you think is what you attract in life. So if you're always attracting, again, iOS 14 is coming around. Oh, this is going to be the worst time of the year for us. We're, our results are going to go to shit. Um, we're not going to be able to, you know, uh, we're, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really screw us up. If you keep saying that and keep thinking that, it's going to happen. If you keep thinking about how it's a great time to grow, great time to innovate, we're going to still crush it regardless, that's going to happen. So it's, it's understanding of the, the power of how much um, your thoughts weigh onto the success of your life and, you know, keeping a good mindset and stuff. Um, you know, I, I saw something in a group that are day I'm in and, you know, someone has had this like limiting belief that, hey, how do you protect your ad account and stuff? Uh, so like, let's say if we stop working together for clients, how do we ensure that client doesn't use our old stuff? It's like, why are you worried about that? Like, it's not something that you need to be worried about right now. It's, it's definitely a real issue, but it, there's much greater things that we can really take action on. So um, having a solid mindset, um, you know, understanding that thing, great things are coming your way. Uh, you have to put the work in every day, though, to make it happen. Um, you are great. 
you are successful, you are an amazing Facebook ads marketer, uh, you know, and really honing in, owning those, even it, it's, it's okay to say that the, you know, the great times and that's the easy time to say it. Oh, I'm a great Facebook ads marketer and I'm blowing, you know, a five extra rest in the month, <laughs> but it's the times that you have a 1.5 or us for the month and you can't quite figure things out and things you can't quite see the end of the tunnel. And that's when it becomes important to say the positive things. And that's the problem. That's, that's, that's why for me, I've been kind of really digging deeper into my mindset over the last say three, four five months. Um, because I had it about right, but during the bad times is when I, I noticed I'd sort of kind of slip my thoughts a little bit. So, um, right now it's like, I'm trying to break through that barrier. So I'm literally have like these four books. I'm just re reading them every week, rereading them. So it's like, it's ingraining in my mind. It's literally how I learned copywriting. I purchased five copywriting books and for like six months, just kept repeating them. And that's like, that's how you really learn to scale. And obviously you need to practice it to, to further improve it. Yeah, definitely. I think repetition is so important. And you mentioned, you know, sometimes you think you have it down and then you stop the things that you were doing. And then a couple of months later, when, when a hard time does fall on you, or there is a challenge that you need to overcome, the thing that you were going to fall back on, you've left it behind two months ago. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, I myself have been guilty of quite a lot in, in kind of my journey, but establishing my business where, you know, you always want to know the latest tactic, the latest hack strategy, this funnel, that ad copy, et cetera, et cetera. But it's kind of what is, it's kind of what's going on behind that is what actually propels the success of that. And oftentimes we overlook that. So yeah, I just wanted to get you to share that from a selfish perspective. Um, but I'm going to kind of respect your time and, and we will wrap up here because I know you've got some client work to get on with. Um, so <laughs> I really, really appreciate you doing this, man, and coming on to share uh, just a small nugget of, of, you know, what's inside your brain. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sufian, it was, it was an actual honor to be here today. I mean, yeah, you were an amazing host, uh, really asked some questions that, like I said, it made me think for a second, but um, it was very fun to kind of extract some of that information and, you know, kind of bring some amazing value to your guests. I'm sure everyone, if, if you listen to this, make sure you, you hit them a like real quick on this podcast. Um, this is definitely a great one to, to kind of repeat back over. Yeah, definitely. Guys, if you are listening to this, whatever platform you are on, please uh, follow, subscribe, like, leave a review if you can, drop a comment. Um, and look forward to more guests of this level um, coming on and sharing their wisdom with you, man. Uh, there's so much more insights that we only, you know, scratching the surface. We've only released or, or filmed even four episodes and we've got so much more planned um, and, and some really valuable insights coming your way. So thank you guys so much again and we'll see you on the next one. Have a good one, guys.